This week, uh, Brandon Jones, our Director of Student Ministries, and I sat down to talk a little bit about our families. And I want you to watch this brief video of our conversation together. Appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today. Uh, as you probably know, we're beginning a sermon series on family and family matters, mm -hmm. and wanted to talk with you a little bit about uh, your family. Uh, you may know that I came from a, a rather, what I would consider a normal family, at least a normal biological family, mother and father. They were married for 68 years until my mother's death this past year. I have a sister and a brother. Uh, my family was healthy, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily perfect. After all, I was a part of that family. Sure. But the one thing I know from uh, my family background is that my, my parents always cared for us. They provided for our needs. And we were, and I was, deeply loved. Now I understand, uh, in part, that your family of origin, there were some difficulties there. And I want you to share with us what those were and what it was like. Sure. I grew up with a mom and a dad living together. Um, I was at my mom and dad's wedding when I was a little kid, and I, I didn't realize this at the time, but I grew up in um, a house that struggled with mental illness and drug addiction, and those combinations are terrible for each other, but I grew up going to AA meetings with my dad, and my mom was a single uh, she worked, she was the only person that had a job because my dad was disabled and so we lived pretty poor because she was on a, um, a server salary and uh, that's where I grew up but it's not where my story ends because I had a family take me in and even uh, give me a place to stay and anytime I go home I go see them and that's the Smith family. Um, Mark Smith was the youth director of the church when I started going to church in junior year of high school and he calls me, he doesn't call me son, he's, a, he's more of a mentor, father figure, but uh, it, it's more of a deep-seated friendship. But all of his kids call me big brother, and uh, I'm just a part of the family. We don't have to talk about it, we're just, we're just there, you know? So I get that love, and I have that need to uh, be connected and um, celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving with them. I'm always planning that every year, because I feel that love that I didn't get growing up. What difference do you think the Smith family has made for you and now as you and Anna are married and maybe there will be kids in the future and that kind of thing, what kind of difference have they made for you? Wow, um, all the difference. I would not be the person I am today without the Smith family. And I'm talking about uh, I wouldn't be a youth director, I wouldn't um, care for other people as aggressively. Uh, it's all because I've seen love and seen someone's faith that I desired it so much. Uh, and it raises the bar in our lives because since we've seen people take us in so um, lovingly and hospitably, we want to be hospitable and loving and uh, we're always looking out for people in need like that. So um, I love that they raised the bar. It's a challenge, but I'm going to do it too and hopefully raise the bar for someone else. Well, again, I thank you for uh, you know sharing with us uh, about your family of origin and how the Smith family filled a vital role in your life. And uh, I'm glad they did that because we, we, we love you and glad that you're part of our fellowship. Yeah, I'd love to be here. Thanks. I think my conversation with Brandon reveals something that I have felt for a long time, and that is that... Um, 
we have a deep longing for family. Uh, we long to have parents who love us and care for us. Uh, we long to have uh, children who are healthy and are vibrant within our family and who are nurtured and they're respectful and not rebellious. We long to have siblings who uh, love us and care about us. Uh, we have this inherent desire for family. Psalm 68, which you heard just a moment ago, you heard it twice, actually, this, the Scripture verse, you heard it in our responsive reading, our, our affirmation of faith, as well as the Scripture being read before the sermon. And this Psalm 68 is really a long song that the psalmist sang that has some 11 verses. Uh, it is a song that covers many different topics, but in the second verse, which you heard read, you find this family theme. First of all, God is praised, and then God is shared with those who hear the song. Part of his identity is given. And that identity is that God is a family person. He is identified as the father of the fatherless, defender of the widow, and sets the lonely in a family. We find that God is not only interested in what families are and what families do, but God acts on behalf of families to make family possible. Now, I love this phrase, God sets the lonely in families. All the words in the Hebrew that express this phrase are rich with meaning. This idea of set, setting a person in a family is more than just taking like a glass of water that you would have and then set it on a different place on your table. It really carries this ideal of settling in, settling a person into a family. This word lonely conveys the sense of being solitary or even an only child. And then this idea of family, this word family, can also be translated as house to mean literally a physical place where someone dwells or like a, an extended family connection like the house of David. So you really get the idea here of what God is saying. He says that God gives those who are solitary, those who have no connection, a place in a family and gives them a heritage. God gives people a family connection. That's God's nature, to give us a connection, to give us a family. Now, if you were to take your Bible and begin reading, you would quickly discover that nearly every story, every character in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament characters, our heroes, their stories are set in the context of family. Genesis chapter 2, God creates the first human being. He finds that that first human being is alone, and God finds that it's not good for that creature to be alone. And so God creates a partner for Adam, Eve, and they become, guess what, a family. We find they have three sons. Now, their family is far from being perfect because Adam blames Eve for his problems, Cain ends up slaying his brother Abel, 
but they're still family. And we find other families scattered throughout the Old Testament, such as Abraham and Sarah, and they have with them their nephew Lot. And then she finally, at an older age, gives birth to a son, Isaac. And then we find Jacob and his two wives and their 12 sons and their one daughter. Then we find uh, Jochebed and Amram who give birth to two sons, Moses and Aaron, and they have a daughter named Miriam. And on goes the story of families. David and his many wives and all their children in the kingdom of Israel. Now, not all of those families are what we expect to be the standard family, right? And not many people have lots of wives at one time. That's not what we're supposed to do like David did. You know, we don't, we don't do that anymore. But yet, they were family. And then, of course, the most famous family of them all, not the Brady Bunch, but Jesus. God comes to a young couple who are engaged to be married, and he tells the bride-to-be, you're special. You're going to give birth to a child, and that child will be the Savior of the world. And the Spirit will come upon you, and you'll become pregnant. Joseph wasn't quite convinced, as you remember the story, and the angel came to him. And they did, though, become a family together, and Jesus was born, and then God gave Mary and Joseph other children to raise. And family was very important for Jesus, even though there's not a lot in the Gospels about that story, about the experience of family. Do you do find that family's important? Even in Jesus' last, one of the last acts upon the cross was caring for his mom. He said to John, the beloved disciple, take care of my mother. Take care of my mom. Family. Family. You know, if we were to take our Bibles and we were to say, just rip out every reference to family and all the connections to family in the Bible, it would greatly reduce the size of this book. Not only would it reduce the size of this book, but it would probably make this book rather boring because all of these stories about family and their connection and their interaction and how their family shaped them and how it influenced their lives provides that color and connection and and, and meaning that makes this book so lively and strong and powerful. Not only does the Bible talk about people in the context of families, the heroes sets them in the story of families, but we also find that the Bible provides lots of uh, information about families and how to relate to families. We find that the Bible gives instructions. Gives instructions to husbands. Husbands, love your wives. It says wives, respect your husbands. It says children, obey your parents. It says parents, take care of your kids and teach them and train them up in the way that they should go. As a matter of fact, the Bible in one place says, you know, anybody that doesn't care appropriately for their family is worse than a rebellious unbeliever. In addition to all this, God chooses family metaphors to describe our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. What is the most common title for God? Father, Abba, occasionally Mother. 
Then we have our relationship with each other in the faith community. The New Testament referred to us as the family of faith or the family of God. And then we have this language of sister and brother. Family. You get a clear sense that when you read the Bible, that family is critically important to God. And God is engaged in nurturing, caring for, and raising up healthy families. Extremely important to God. We find that family is a gift from God. God sets the lonely. Without your family, you're going to be pretty lonely. God sets the lonely in family. Now, while family is a gift from God, it is a gift that requires a great deal of care. It takes a lot of investment, a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of effort to create and maintain a good, healthy family. The challenges before families today are enormous. Now, I would say that it's been enormous since the very creation. But there, it's enormous, the challenges that face families today. And it's going to take a lot of hard work in every family, whatever stage you're in as a family, whether you've kind of raised all of your family and they're back there in the past in terms of the raising, you still have connection with the family, or whether you're just starting out with family, or somewhere in the middle, there are a lot of challenges and it's a lot of hard work. And I believe that the community of faith is critical in raising and nurturing family. Through the years of being a pastor, over 40 years plus now, I imagine that I have had interaction with several thousand families at the various churches where I've served. I've witnessed the important role that the faith community, the church, has played in building up families. When I think of back in my days at Johnson City, I served a church in Johnson City for nine years. By the way, I'm in my ninth year here, so I'm looking to break that nine-year record. So while serving um, that church, I saw how that that church surrounded a widowed grandmother who was raising her grandson. This grandmother was one of the sweetest women you would ever meet. Just a great, great person. Everybody loved her. Her grandson, at the time that I was there, when I first went there anyway, he was an elementary age boy, early elementary age boy. And he was, guess what, full of life. He was 125% full boy. I mean, he was full blast. 
And I watched and saw as that church surrounded this grandmother. To my knowledge, there were no family members that lived within hundreds of miles of them. And I watched as they surrounded her, loved her, cared for her, provided things that she needed in her life as she nurtured, that support and that love that was so vital. I witnessed as the church and people in that church nurtured this little boy. How men became models of what it meant to be a man for a boy that had no men in his life. The church made a difference for this family. Jesus knew the importance of the nurture of families and the importance of building up families. On one occasion, there were some parents who were attempting to bring their small, Jesus, their small children to Jesus so that Jesus could bless them. And a couple of Jesus' disciples had appointed themselves with the role of being gatekeepers, determining who got to see Jesus and who didn't. And they weren't letting the parents access to Jesus. When Jesus learned about it, he got visibly angry. And he said, let the little children come to me. He said, for to such belongs the kingdom. Jesus' words not only demonstrate the importance of the role of children in our faith, faith with a capital F, but it demonstrates that Jesus knew how important it was to nurture and care for families. I believe that what happened there set the stage for what would transpire as the church came to birth and came of age. The church became an organization, became a group, became an organism that cared for families and their children. And one of the ways we see that is through the practice of baptism. In the book of Acts and other places in the New Testament, we find that there are five examples where whole families were baptized when the head of the household came to faith. The family of Cornelius, Lydia, the Philippian jailer, Crispus, and Stephanos. Now, while this practice, in part, demonstrates that their cultures are a bit different than ours, we're a very individualistic culture, and we want everybody to make their own decisions about whether or not to follow Christ. In that culture, families followed the leader. But it also demonstrates how that the church gave place to the entire family and claimed the family as a part. The church was blessing families. In our faith tradition as United Methodists, we practice infant baptism, child baptism. Part of the support of why we do that comes from out of the New Testament where that these five, whole five, the five families were baptized with an assumption that 
probably in the mix of those families there were small children. We believe that this act of infant baptism or child baptism is a sacred act in which God is involved. It is sacramental because God is present as it takes place. If you don't believe me, you stand with me when I'm getting ready to baptize a small child and you feel what I feel and see in the eyes of those parents what I see and you know that God is present and God is doing something mysterious, powerful, and spiritual that words can't describe. You see, through baptism, God places His mark and He claims that child that, as His own. And we as a church claim that child and that child's family as a part of our fellowship. And through baptism, parents bring their children to Jesus for Jesus to bless them. In the service of baptism of children, there is this vital practice that engages the church. We make our commitment to support the child and the family of the baptized. You remember the words? I'll, or, or Jacqueline will read. Members of the household of faith, I come into your loving care. This child whom we this day recognize as a member of the family of God. And then a question is asked. Will you endeavor so to live that this child may grow in the knowledge and love of God through our Savior, Jesus Christ? And then the congregation responds. Listen. With God's help, we will so order our lives that after the example of Christ, that this child may be surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened the way that leads to eternal life. We make a commitment to nurture this family, to provide resources to be people who love and show love and and model what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We give ourselves in ministry. You see, caring for and nurturing our children and the families is integral to who we are. (laughs) Now, I suspect that there's some of you, because you've been to a lot of church services before, and you've heard recruitment sermons and recruitment speeches from time to time from pulpits and from uh, folks standing in front of the congregation. You think, oh, what we're talking about here is we must need some people to help with the two-year-old nursery. Now, I've seen some of you all at work. You don't need to be in the two-year-old nursery. Those children would, would eat you up and spit you out alive. And some of you, if you were with those kids... Their parents wouldn't want to take them home. You're going to have to take them home with you after you've had them for a while. No, not everyone has that gift. But there's so many different ways that we can nurture not only our children, but families and families of all ages, of all situations. In my own life, I have been the beneficiary. My family has been the beneficiary of churches where the people have cared for us and loved us. Through the years, I, in the various places where I've served, I've, I've been a part of a, a small group of men. That's been my small group. And, and there have been those moments where I've taken to that small group and shared with them the challenges that I was having in that moment at that time in my own family. And there were times when they listened 
There were times when they gave advice. There was times when they cried with me. And there were times when they could understand. And then there was always they would pray. I remember when our three sons were toddlers that Betty Leach took care of them in the nursery. And she loved them with a love like a grandma loves her babies. I remember when my boys were rambunctious and and you couldn't keep them under control that it was Gary Cannon who would wool my boys and love my boys and nurture them in the faith and show them what it was to be a man of God. I can remember when my boys entered into their teen years how that Joe Tester, by the way, Joe is female, Joe Tester, she loved my boys, put up with their teen antics and made their faith real and through the years Patty and I have seen how we have been loved how we've been cared for by you and by other churches where we've served there's so many ways that God calls us to nurture families so many ways For those of us who are married, to model good marriage, to put in the time and effort and energy, to be honest about our struggles, to determine that we're going to hang in there, we're not going to give up. People need to see it. People need to experience it. We can serve children and families through serving their needs. We can be faithful in our participation and model what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to love Jesus with all of our heart. We can generously give of our resources so that the resources are there to do the ministry within the context of this church to the children and to the youth and to their families and not only those inside our church but those that are beyond the walls of this church who are desperately crying out, for Jesus and a way forward in a chaotic world. We can mentor our children and our youth. We can be available. You know, sometimes just pausing in the hallway when you see a five-year-old or a four-year-old and just getting down on their level. Now, some of you probably can't do that. So may just have to stand. We don't want to pick anybody up off the floor. But if you can, just get down on their level and let them know that they are important, not just to you, but to God who has called you to be a part of the divine family. And sometimes it's pausing to talk to a sophomore in high school who thinks she knows everything, but just to surround her with a person who loves God. Family is a gift from God, and it requires a great deal of attention. And we are called as the church to nurture our families. I exhort you.
to join in making OUMC a church that supports and equips families, nurtures our children, and our youth. As Brett comes now and leads us in our final song, maybe you today want to just say a prayer of thanksgiving for the family that God has given to you. Maybe there's some struggles going on and you want to pray for those struggles. Maybe there's a family that you're aware of that's struggling and you want to intercede for that family. I want you to know that as we sing, this altar's open as a place of prayer.